Welcome to the Race to the Bottom podcast. I'm Ed Cohen, one of the hosts of the show. I want to thank you for tuning in to our inaugural episode. My co-host Mike Friedberg and I hope to make this an occasional few minutes of interesting talk about current events, sports, and music with a Minnesota bent to it. I'd like to take a moment and thank a few people who've made today's episode possible. Bob Sansevier and the BS Show for teaching us how to podcast and for broadcasting and promoting it on the BS Show. Tom Bernard and the Tom Bernard Podcast Network and Smart Start MN Ignition Interlocks. If you or someone you know has lost their driver's license due to a DWI, let Smart Start MN help them get back to driving legally. We're going to take a short break for a message from Smart Start, and when we return, we will be joined by John Doe from X. I'm Joe Friedberg. I'm a lawyer. I've handled a lot of DUI cases. I know a lot of people that have lost their license and can't drive because of it. There's a state-approved way to get back on the road. Go to smartstartmn.com and get a device for your car that allows you to drive. The state has to let you drive. Do not go with imitators. Learn more at smartstartmn.com. That's smartstartmn.com. I am excited to announce our next guest. He is a poet, an author, an actor, a fantastic musician. I am thrilled to welcome John Doe from the band X. Thanks for joining us today, John. Oh, shucks, Ed. You're so nice. You're so kind. Thanks for the good words. John, you guys are uh, currently on tour and playing First Avenue tomorrow. We're currently in Minnesota. Are you? That's great. On on one of the byways uh, coming up from Sioux City, I think. Okay. Yeah. Somewhere. How uh, how has the tour been going so far? It's uh, surprisingly great. Um, well, not that surprising, but uh, we're just getting really good audiences, and uh, you know, even in Omaha last night. Uh, who knew Monday night was the place to be in Omaha? There were, you know, 600 and some people there, and, and uh, it was great. Playing with the playing with a really good opening act, uh, Skating Polly. And uh, there are some people that Xene's worked with and we've toured with in the past. And, uh, it just makes for a good good thing. It's, it's also not, we've doing, been doing a lot of driving. We started in Las Vegas less than a week ago. Right. And uh, played Salt Lake City and played Denver and Omaha and now uh, Minneapolis and stuff. I'll be glad to be where the towns are a little closer together, cities. Now, when you uh, formed X in 1977, (coughs) I assume there weren't, uh, you weren't thinking too much about where you guys would be playing in 2017, were you? Uh, Absolutely not. I would say that, uh, you know, we hoped that it would, we'd be able to get out of California. Although we imagined that we would, we believed in ourselves enough, and, and we weren't overly confident uh, about the probably about just the difficulty of you know navigating business and you know getting 
signed and you know get, getting out there and, and and early on realized the the resistance that radio stations and record companies and things like that had towards punk rock so right uh, so yeah so you know and i had a chance to read your book which i gotta tell you and i should mention nominated for a grammy um i think you were robbed frankly um <laughs> well, but it's, well it's, it's a carol 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 Burnett is a legend, and she is 80-some. So, uh, you know, it, it was either that or get robbed by some ex-president or, or something. You know. <laughs> those those audiobooks tend to go to the to the you know last person standing, which which we are becoming. So, right. Uh, but yeah, yeah, the book was the book was a gas. It was a uh, uh, we we didn't really expect it to do as well as it did, and, and uh, felt like it, it told the story in a way that, that hadn't been told before. And it was a, I thought it was a really interesting approach, uh, the way you handled it, because you wrote some of it, but you had friends and other you know, people from that time. And, and really, I guess, to describe the book, it's, it's a picture of the L.A. punk scene uh, in the late 70s, early 80s, isn't it? Yes, from 77 to um, 82. Okay. And... and um, Go ahead. And and you had you, you had a really eclectic group of people uh, write for this book. Yes. And the stories uh, that they well, told were just fantastic. Yeah. Well, uh, my uh, my sweetheart and my friend Tom DeSavia, uh, who worked on the book with me, continued to say you should write a book, and it sounded like way too much work, and I didn't want to be the authority. So uh, in in the uh, one stroke of genius that I had, I thought, oh, I know, I'll get everyone else to help me. <laughs> and then, and then I, I realized, well, that's very similar to the spirit in which the scene was created and and lived for that short period, maybe till like '81, you know, or '80, 80, 1980, very short period, you know, maybe '76 to '81 or 1980, and. Um, as I gave Tom this idea, he, he, he liked it, and we thought, well, what are the most important elements of the scene? Uh, one would being where people live, because that's where people hung out, because we didn't have enough money to go out. So we just go to people's apartments or houses or whatever. And, uh, and so Jane Weedland uh, was going to be our authority on that. And we asked Jane Weedland from the Go-Go's to write about the Canterbury apartment building, which yep. is where maybe 15 or 20 different punk rockers lived. Um, and it was it was incredibly cheap. And then we thought, well, what else is it? Okay, the the East LA um, contribution. Uh, so we got Teresa Corvarubius to uh, to write that, and then Tom worked with her on that um, to to tell that story. And that way, you get a bunch of different truths, and and you get a, a bigger picture. Uh, Exine wrote about the Cultural Revolution, so everyone had kind of a topic, even though that's not immediately apparent in their chapters. Uh, you know, Dave Alvin wrote about the Roots music uh, contribution, and Jack Grisham wrote about uh, people coming up from Orange County, um, and Henry Rollins came, you know, came in a little bit later from D.C., so he wrote about what it was like to, to uh, come from outside of it, as it was already splitting off into hardcore and all the other different kinds of 
music that came from the original scene. So, yeah, we're pretty proud of it, you know, and, and everybody had a chapter, so it wasn't just a bunch of people spouting off and nobody doing any fact-checking, which is <laughs> kind of common in the oral history part. And, and right. I guess that's part of the oral, that's part of the oral history, too. Well, and, and speaking of oral histories, um, I'm sure you've read it. Uh, you guys are actually checked in there. Uh, but the replacements book from last year, uh, The Trouble Boys, uh, there's a story in there about how uh, you and Exene celebrated a Thanksgiving with them. Is that a, is that a true story? You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry to admit that I haven't got around to, to reading Trouble Boys. Um, okay. So tell me the story, and I'll say whether I, I sort of, you know, I know that we hung out a lot, but uh, I don't remember exactly of Thanksgiving. Well, there, there wasn't much of a story other than to, to say that, uh, that there was a Thanksgiving which uh, uh, oh. Paul and Tommy celebrated with you and Xene, I believe. Uh, and if you remember yeah, it, great. Probably. <laughs> probably, sure. I mean, like I say, I don't remember us sitting down and, and putting a bib on with the Tom Turkey in the middle. And, and uh, I don't think Paul would be making uh, cranberry sauce, but I'm sure, we, I'm sure he went out to a diner and had like, uh, you know, a, a turkey, a hot turkey sandwich or something. It's, uh, so, you know, the scene in 77, 78, 80, uh, it sounds like a real, it was a collaborative scene. Everyone kind of helping everybody else out. Is, is that kind of accurate yeah, on? I think so. I mean, I think most scenes, uh, if they survive, are like that. Uh, I'm, I know that the early New York scene was like that. I know that, uh, you know, uh, the replacements in Puskadu were, were, you know, pretty pretty close. And, uh, same with the Seattle, so. Yeah. So do you think that's one of the things that, that makes a scene, essentially? Is it, you know, where there's where there's real success, where there's a real sort of sound, maybe a sort of, uh, you know, group of places, people that can that succeed? Is that is that the key? Is it the uh, kind of the inbreeding and the uh, playing with one another that uh, I would, breeds this? I, I would say it's the lack of success. Okay. I would say the fact that the fact that there's a bunch of people that want to do something, and they're locked out of the the normal channels to to do that thing, that's what breeds the scene. And uh, someone's holding the purse strings or the reins on the on what's established, and you can't get in there, so you have to do your own thing. But I think it's several people contributing that to make something, you know, something happen. Teamwork, teamwork makes the dream work, Ed. <laughs> so really then going back to, you know, going back to 77, 78, what made the scene work there? Was it, was it having a couple of, you know, off the beaten path venues? Was it, uh, I mean, the stuff just doesn't fall out of the air. There's, there's hard work involved, isn't there? Absolutely. People worked hard to figure out how to play and what they wanted to play, and they exchanged a lot of ideas on, you know, what did they think punk rock was and what was good and what was bullshit. And, and Brendan Mullen did a, a, a tremendous amount of work 
putting on shows, uh, trying to keep the mask open, which was our, you know, ground zero. And, and then there were a bunch of other halls, you know, social halls that, that we, that people would rent and, uh, you know, other people were working on magazines and fanzines and then, uh, yeah. So it was, I, I think it was just time and it was time for that and it was kind of in the air and that's why it happened in new york and london and la and then you know even minneapolis and, and san francisco pretty soon after because it was like people were fed up with going to big uh shitty rock concerts you know or i don't know how shitty they were but they they didn't include you and and as a musician you felt like all this virtuosity was just tiresome and and uh you know, where's the, where's the guts? Where's the, uh, where's the fun? Where's the danger? You know, things like that. So 40 years later, are you still feeling the danger? Luckily, no. <laughs> but um, I feel as though we're, um, we're still pushing some envelopes. And, and um, you know, the show that we do now is, is pretty different from what we've done in the past. Well, we've been developing for maybe a year and a half or so. Uh, we kept getting offers to play festivals that weren't really punk rock festivals or to play at a, at a performing arts center. So just doing a punk rock show wouldn't have really cut it. <clears throat> and um, it just would have been awkward and wouldn't have fit. So we started doing this uh, sort of more acoustic show and then we realized that that wasn't really what we uh what we were about so now we're doing a kind of combination where we have another uh person playing with us uh who plays drums while dj plays vibes and then billy can play sax on a couple of songs we're doing these weird uh deep cut type songs that we never played when they were on when they were released on records um, okay. songs like Comp Come Back to Me, which Billy plays guitar and sax on. Um, we play I Must Not Think Bad Thoughts or uh, Dancing with Tears in My Eyes. And, and so uh, you know, it starts out with some more kind of roots rockabilly style X songs and then moves into this weird uh, deep cut, you know, oddball stuff. And then we kind of bring it home with the... Uh, you know, X's bread and butter, the punk rock. Well, tomorrow night show, there's still tickets available, aren't there? I would assume that's a big-ass place, First <laughs> Avenue. You played First Avenue whole... before, right? Uh, yeah, just a couple times. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, I mean, it holds like 1,500 or something crazy like that, right? I think it's at least 15, might be closer to two. Yeah. Anyway, Sure. People should come down. It's a really good show. And so tickets would be available uh, on the website uh, through First Avenue. And I'll get the uh, I'll get that website in the show notes. And uh, nice. It it should be a great show. I'm looking forward to it. I know that. Yeah, I mean it's it's um on these uh, songs we didn't play in the past. We get a chance to improvise more and and it. It gives the the whole concert more of a three-dimensional, not just like 
one thing. And, and uh, I mean, for my money, I, I could watch someone play for like 45 minutes and that's, that's about enough <laughs> because after that, then they start repeating themselves and, Oh, isn't that song just like the song that they played about, uh, you know, six songs before. So right. the fact that we have this um, different shape to the, to the gig, it makes it uh, more enjoyable for us. And you know, there's a bunch of people that, that are coming out that are 15, 16 years old or, you know, 50 or 60. So it's, it's pretty rewarding. It should be uh, an eclectic uh, group showing up tomorrow night. It's going to be, uh, I anticipate you guys are going to put on a great show. Yeah. We also have a Kickstarter that's, that's going uh, so we can, we've surpassed our goal, but um, we're offering a, a live in Latin America um, CD or download or LP. Uh, we went there in 2012 with Pearl Jam and played, you know, Brazil and Chile and Argentina, Mexico, and stuff like that. Right. So, right. It's pretty good. And the good website stuff. where that would be available, do you happen to have that offhand or just search Kickstarter for it? Yeah, Kickstarter X and uh, Live in Latin America. Okay. And I'll make sure I get that website in the show notes too. Groovy. All right. Well, John, I appreciate it. Um, I saw you uh, last week and when you were in Minneapolis at the private show and it was mm -hmm. uh, it was a really interesting show. It was great to see you, and I really appreciate you coming on today. Sure, Ed. We'll see you out and about. All right. Thanks, John. Bye. You bet. Yep. Bye. Okay. Bye bye.